The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness, where on every episode of the show, we are going to uncover the secrets to being superpowered and being the superwoman you are meant to be. Joining me today is Isabel. Isabel Smith is, is a registered dietitian, and she holds a bachelor's degree in health and exercise science and a master's of science in nutrition communications. In her private practice, Isabel works with clients in the areas of oncology, weight loss, hormone balance, thyroid health, digestive health, weight loss and intuitive eating, along with athletic performance. Sounds like she does it all. She works with corporations and corporate executives to promote healthy eating and mindfulness and stress management. Welcome to the show, Isabel. Hi, Dr. Tess. Thank you so much for having me. Such a treat. I am thrilled to have you on here. And food is something that we all, I think, intellectually know about. We've got the information today. You know, most people I'm noticing when they come into practice or when I speak, they they understand it. They get it. They, they're starting to connect the dots between food and their health. But it's still at a very superficial level, and there's still a lot of confusion about how food impacts us. And when I was reading your bio right now, it just struck me that you're very much in a similar position as me, where we're seeing everything, uh, every condition, every type of person kind of coming through. If you had to take a string and tie everything you saw together, and tell us like the one thing that is a repetitive pattern that people are missing. Everybody listening today, we might be missing when it comes to food and nutrition and our health. What would you tell me that one thing would be? So I think that, you know, I think um, there's a lot of sort of uh, common issues that affect a lot of different things, right? So like I might see somebody, like you said, yes, I see pretty much everything like you do. Um, People might come to me with, like, immune issues or gut issues or sleep or, um, you know, like, period disruption for women. There are a lot of common threads that sort of, I think, are at the root of a lot of these issues that, um, you know, I think women and men, but women um, really need to pay attention to. And I think the most important one is stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us are in a state of, like, manic stress. Um, And what that does to our bodies is it basically, from thousands and thousands of years ago, tells our bodies that we are running from a tiger at all times, right? Which for every woman ends up with different symptoms, right? But um, when our bodies are in in a place where they're just running, 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 we're not actually running anymore like we used to. But emotionally, like hormonally, like our bodies are in this like crazy fight or flight mode. We can't digest our food properly. You know, there's no need to pr- produce a baby when our bodies, when we're running from a tiger, right? So, the, so our hormonal um, cascade is not imbalanced. Who needs sleep when we're running from a tiger? So nobody's sleeping. You know, so this major, I would say this like stress and, um, you know, what it does to our entire well-being, um, it's really major. I don't think people, people connect it because I also feel like, uh, we use the word stress very loosely, right? Like I'm stressed. This is so Mm -hmm. stressful. It's almost like, I feel like it's being used, uh, in the wrong way. At least we have awareness about stress, but, Mm -hmm. but now it's being used as sort of this blanket statement, but without the understanding that we're in control of stress. We're in control of the management of stress. Stress is not an external something that's done to us, which I feel like is the perception right now that stress is, it's being imposed upon me. Uh, you know, 
I'm curious as to what you think about that, but what I'm finding a lot of is stress is being imposed upon me. I have no control. Therefore, I'm sort of a, a victim, um, kind of a rolling ball in the cycle of life where all the science and all the research is really shifting that, right? Like where we understand that Yes, there is stress and we are stressed, but it doesn't mean we quit life. It's part of why I wrote the Superwoman RX. It doesn't mean we quit and not do the things we want to do, but it is something that we have to wrestle and manage with and learn to control. What is, what is the advice that you give your clients as they sort of navigate the word stress and then connect it to their food? Well, it's interesting. You know, I find that women, um, Women and men, but mostly women, I, I seem to find that there's, like, this competitive nature with, like, how stressed are you and, like, how much are you managing? And it says, wait a minute, um, that's not the point, right? I think you are, mm-hmm. you're totally right in that um, there is yeah, external stress. But really, I think the majority of the really dangerous stress is the internal stress. Mm-hmm. Because I have to tell you, I have plenty of women who really... They feel stressed, but really, like, in the grand scheme, there's really not a whole lot of stress in their lives, but right. they're, like, seeking stress, right? So it's, like, this state that we, you know, we, we've adapted this stress as a behavior. So we, like, wash our hands, we eat our breakfast, we stress. We comb our hair, we, you know, play with the dog, we stress. Like, it's, like, a, it's sort of this, like, behavior set that we have come to understand. And it doesn't have to be that way, right? And and what I what I really coach my all of my clients, but especially the women on, is like, imagine how much energy you would have for something else. If we took that energy ball that you are spending on stress and put it somewhere else, my gosh, you'd have more time for yourself. We could put that energy into your kids, into your job. You know, we can transfer that energy into other places. First and foremost, we have to be aware of it. So when becoming aware of it, you know, I try and help most of my clients to really develop some kind of self-care practice, whether it's a minute or 20 minutes, and that might be journaling, it might be exercise, it might be painting, it might be chatting with a girlfriend, but it's something that really, like, helps to plug us in, um, and what that kind of time and energy does is it really helps to diffuse the system, gives us kind of, like, a nice deep breath, and makes us tune in better to all places in our lives, right, which includes food. Um, it's really dangerous when we go through our day, and look, I'm not perfect either, But, you know, we're not even looking at our food while we're eating it. Well, you know, a lot of the digestive process starts by simply us looking at our food. You know, the brain registers that we're going to eat. So it starts the cascade of releasing digestive hormones and chemicals and enzymes. Even before we put the food in our mouth, well, goodness, if we're not even looking at our food, we've missed part of the digestive process, which can cause stomach issues, bloating, gas, etc. So, okay. So if we're not, let's, let's tie that together because I I learned from somebody very recently that, you know, you can go eat hamburgers and French fries on vacation and it's, it's metabolized completely differently than eating hamburgers and French fries when you're in the car, uh, rushing to get to your next appointment or rushing to get to work, uh, paint that picture for the audience for folks listening today. Like what is the difference there between how food is metabolized when you're stressed and how food is metabolized when you're happy or relaxed or having a good time? Yeah, so so first and foremost, you know, think of yourself on vacation, right? We're kind of relaxed. We're not in a rush, maybe most of the time. We are probably in an environment that feels comfortable or, you know, fun or we've got people around us who are excited or we're by ourselves, but we're in this place where we're not in our usual environment. Environment has a lot to do with, um, you know, stress and how we perceive it. So already we're in a nice place, um, like with our hormones and our bodies 
to allow for the digestion of nutrients, right? So we're, when we're in that calm vacation place, we're probably using all of our senses with this food, right? We've got, we're looking at it, we're smelling it, we might be touching it, we might be like looking at the texture, you know, there's a lot of senses that go into the eating process that we really ignore, especially when we're driving that car. So Mm -hmm. what starts on vacation, when we look at the food, your body registers that you're going to be digesting. So already um, saliva, which which contains a um, certain digestive enzyme called salivary amylase, gets released in your mouth. So we might salivate, right? And there's a reason we salivate to help with digestion of carbohydrates. So already your body is understanding that we're going to start digesting. So, right, we've got this perfect scenario where we're calm. The body says, okay, I'm not running. I can digest well. And we start to eat and we might eat more slowly. We might eat more consciously because it's enjoyable. On the flip side, we're running from that tiger when we're driving that car, right? So our body's like in, in heightened awareness state. We're not looking at the food. We're not smelling it. It's not an enjoyable process. Um, and so we're, we sort of forewent a lot of that release of the digestive chemicals in the same quantity, probably, that we did when we were on vacation. So already we're not digesting our food before we put it in our mouth. We also might not be chewing as, as well. You know, I can imagine the busy woman, like, driving the car, trying to drink yes. the drink and eat her lunch. And, like, you know, they're honking and... So we're so hyper alert. Um, yeah. There's no reason why all the blood flow is going to go to our stomach for digestion, nor release digestive chemicals. So they're two completely different scenarios. Gotcha. So how, uh, hopefully you guys are understanding how stress can so profoundly impact how we digest food, even before we maybe have a conversation of healthy versus unhealthy food. And now Ty, uh, I'm a big proponent of managing your microbiome and talking about gut bacteria. My 2014 book, The Belly Fix, was a lot about this particular concept. What have you seen in your experience uh, as the role of gut bacteria in food and and how it influences our health overall and the many different things that you're seeing? Sure. You know, I think I'm, I'm so excited by the, it's not a sudden awareness, but it's much more attention to gut bacteria, digestion, the belly, the whole scenario um, in the past five years. Yes. Um, it's really incredibly profound how important the bacteria that lives in our gut is to release of chemicals, signaling, chemicals and hormones, but signaling within the body, controlling the immune system, regulating um, cholesterol in the bloodstream. I mean, you know, it's, it's really, there's more bacterial cells to our body than human cells. So we are, you know, our bacteria. Um, and when that bacteria is not healthy, it majorly affects a lot of things, including hormones, including weight regulation, blood sugar control. Um, and I would say probably the two worst things for, except, you know, two worst things for, for gut bacteria health, um, putting aside, you know, ingestion of antibiotics and other things is not sleeping consistently and being in major, you know, sort of stress mode. Both of those uh, scenarios seriously affect the gut bacteria in, the ne- in a negative way. Um, and then we don't sleep, I think the research is like less than yeah. five hours is really, really detrimental. Okay, hang on. I want to make sure that everyone heard that. So say that again. When you don't sleep, what is the impact on the gut bacteria? Major. So less than five hours, um, there's like a major, I don't know what the numbers are because they're huge, but but there's a major detriment to the gut bacteria 
um, when we're sleeping like less than five hours a night. Um, you know, like the, to the rest of your body as well, there's a major detriment to how well your body's able to recover, but it's to this gut bacteria that the effect seems to be quite major. Wow. That is profound guys. So for any of you who are trying to be super women or super men, even, and you're skimping on sleep and you're eating on the run, uh, even though you might be making healthy food choices, your digestion and your metabolism is going to be affected because the gut bacteria are affected as well. Aside from managing stress and sleep, what foods do you recommend to improve our metabolism, to improve gut health, to improve gut bacteria? Are there things that you would say uh, for the average person running around and juggling a bunch of stuff that they should include these three foods? What would you, uh, what would you point to? So first and foremost, um, I, and I, you know, this is a food group, but, but I'm not picky because they're all awesome. Like any green vegetable that's not a pea or a string bean, um, green vegetables contain fiber, which is key for our gut bacteria, but our back gut bacteria feeds on, uh, fiber. We have to not only provide bacteria for our bodies to have, but we got to keep them well. So Green vegetables also contain magnesium. Magnesium is exceptionally important for hormone balance, stress stress management, muscle health, brain health, sleeping, like literally everything. Magnesium is really key. So I would say number one is green vegetables of all sorts except peas and green beans. Um, two, I would say, and this is like a fan favorite usually, very dark chocolate. Um, I personally have chocolate as a building block for my food group. <laughs> Yay. Um, <laughs> I'll take that one any day. Huge chocolate fan. Here's the key. It has to be like, and this is hard. It has to be like 85% or higher. Um, okay. I, it takes time, but you can find some really creamy, delicious, even a hundred percent dark chocolate. Some of them are disgusting, but some of them are really palatable and there's nothing but dark chocolate, dark cocoa cocoa in in there so there's no added garbage no added sugar um but cocoa is extremely extremely powerful for brain health it's very anti-inflammatory it's loaded with um, magnesium for your brain like and heart health Um, magnesium is also key for it's also chock full of flavonoids which are a plant-based nutrient um that is extremely health helpful and healthful for heart health and a couple years ago, there was a lot of information coming out about the, the importance of dark chocolate and potentially helping to delay age-related memory decline. I don't know if you saw that, Dr. Todd. Yes, but, absolutely. Um, uh-huh. Chocolate, cho- anytime anybody's, like, there's there's just more and more research coming out about chocolate, and I'm jazzed because, I'm you know, I find a lot of dietitians are like, don't eat sweets. And I'm like, well, there are sweets, and then there are, like, you know, things that are just delicious that are also really good for you. This is one of those things. Gotcha. Um, and then... The third one, you know, the third one I would say is a, is, is a mix between, um, like, something in the beet, squash, or sweet potato family. Um, hmm. So red, orange, or yellow produce, they all contain beta-carotene, lycopene. It's a similar, they all contain a similar nutrient profile. So, like, beet, squashes, sweet potatoes, um, super rich and fiber, super rich in antioxidants, vitamin C, beta carotene, like I said before, which is really important for eye health, skin health. They also contain folate, really key for brain health. So it's, I gave you some, I gave you some groups of foods, which I, which I like to give people groups so that they can make choices. But, um, you know, I think in most 
times we sit down for a meal of any sort, like there should be something green and there should be something red, yellow, or orange that's not a fruit. Okay. That's easy enough to remember. So something green, something red, yellow, orange, these are foods that, and then dark chocolate, these are things that you think are shifting the microbiome uh, effectively, or is there something else you would add to uh, really dealing with the microbiome itself? So the microbiome does like dark chocolate and does like the fiber um, in all these foods. I mean, if we're looking at, like, there's a category of prebiotic foods that mm-hmm. are foods that are, um, that rather contain prebiotics, which is a type of fiber that helps to nourish and feed the gut bacteria. Those include things like bananas, um, specifically like green banana flour, but nobody uses that. So we say bananas, asparagus, um, we've got leeks. We've got almonds, we've got apples. If you do a quick search, a Google search of prebiotic foods, you can include some more of those. Those, I mean, but bottom line is that fiber and foods that, you know, have come from the earth and that um, contain like natural that are not like really overcooked and, you know, like your broccoli shouldn't be brown. It should be like really like green, whether it's raw or or gently cooked. Um, All of this sort of material food really helps to nourish the gut bacteria, but of course, prebiotics are never hurtful. So I think a lot of us forget, you know, um, I'm a big smoothie person. We often forget to include fiber in the list of things that we should be taking. So if we're eating our greens and eating whole food and not juicing and not relying just on smoothies and things like that, then... I mean, we're probably getting the right amount of fiber in. But guys, just remember that fiber is really important. I see this in practice all the time where we'll do these somersaults trying to manage like cholesterol or blood pressure or gut health and all the, and weight. And a lot of times we just need more fiber. So make sure you're getting plenty of fiber in with a lot of these foods. They ultimately help balance uh, gut bacteria. They help prebiotics and probiotics communicate a little bit better. And then some of my favorite prebiotic foods include um, bananas, uh, avocados, chicory root. I don't know if you, even coffee to a certain extent has some prebiotics in it. Is that true? Um, I'll be very candid with this. I'm, especially for women, I'm not a super coffee fan. I'm not a super caffeine fan. Um, I know that the research is like coffee is not bad, but I find for many women that caffeine can be like very stimulating. And so, you know, coffee um, also tends to be like a more pesticide-ridden food. So, like, coffee in small quantities that's organic can be great. And there's plenty of research that suggests that um, what's in the coffee bean is super healthful and super good for us. And, yes, there's some prebiotics in it. But I also find that coffee is a food that we often are food group beverage, et cetera, that we abuse. So just be careful of that. <laughs> gotcha. And I agree too. I feel like you have to be so particular about the quality of the coffee and so particular yep. about the amount that it, it plays uh, a big role. I've got to ask one more. I don't want to uh, take too much time, but I've got yeah. to ask about wine because wine's another one like coffee that gets debated all the time. And the more I dig into the manufacturing process of wine, it seems like originally it might have been full of great bacteria, even though it ultimately turns to sugar, which affects the microbiome. So what's your take on wine? So like coffee, there's wine and then there's wine, right? There's coffee and there's coffee. So first and foremost, like where's it coming from? What's the pesticide? You know, I would say I personally find that I like wine from other countries. (laughs) Sorry to knock Mm -hmm. the U.S. wine production, but... um, the production process, let's say in Europe, is a little bit more uh, like rigid and there's fewer pesticides used. Um, I'm more concerned about, um, first of all, how every individual woman reacts or 
you know, person reacts to wine. Some of us can handle it really well, and then some of us have more trouble with it. So how does it make your body feel? Um, second of all, um, how much of it are you drinking? I think a glass or two is great, but I think when we start to go over that, um, the, the negative outweighs the positive. Um, you know, I think that the research is, is you know, research on alcohol is always kind of topsy-turvy because one study finds yay and then the other study finds nay. Um, I think bottom line, if it's something that agrees with your body and you have a really natural source of it, then yes, there is some some um, healthful, you know, polyphenols, which are plant-based chemicals that seem to help with probiotic health, that gut bacteria health. Um mm-hmm. But what I would say is it's all about the individual person. And, you know, like, I'll be very candid again, like, it makes me insomniac, heart racing. I sometimes break out in hives from wine, and I have many clients who get more anxious when they drink wine or don't sleep well. So there are also people who really do work well with drinking. So you want to really be sensitive to how your body feels and reacts to whatever you're consuming. But there's definitely, look, there's definitely some research that's suggesting that it's really not bad, especially when we do it in in small quantities. Wonderful. All right. Well, for everybody listening today, I hope you got a clue as to how food impacts our gut health, how stress and sleep can play a role in how our food is even used and how all the nutrients are even metabolized. So it's a lot about putting all the pieces of your health together and not focusing on one little silo because ultimately we're all connected. Everything works together. And as Isabel's uh, demonstrating clearly today, no matter what condition or state we're dealing with, we've got to pull all this information together to really feel vibrant, alive, supercharged, super powered, like you guys all know I want you to be. Isabel, thank you so much for joining us today. If the audience wants to connect with you and maybe learn more about your services or just share info with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Check out my website, which is isabelsmithnutrition.com. So Isabel with just one L. Um, or you can check me out on Instagram um, at isabelsmithnutrition. And um, I share lots of fun info, lots of fun stories. This morning I was talking about high-calorie, healthy smoothies for anybody who actually needs to gain weight. I got plenty of those in my practice. So follow along, and I love to hear feedback. Fantastic. Well, Isabel, thank you so much for joining us today. For everybody else, thanks for listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness, which is now on Spotify as well. If you have questions about today's show, connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. It's at Dr. TazMD. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate and review and share it with your friends. Until next time.